0: I feel like I just said these words on Thursday to our uh, Gospel Fluency Group with Nick and um, Josue and Larry. But um, I don't remember a time in my life when I didn't believe that God exists. Um, From an early age, my mom and grandma took me to church services and at an early age. I think I was about 10 years old. I was clearly presented with who Jesus is and given an opportunity to respond. Do you want to believe in Jesus? Give your life to him and be forgiven? And I did that. And my whole life, there's never been a time uh, when I didn't believe that God is real. And for most of my life, I feel like I've had a relationship with God where I was praying to Him and trying to trust Him and trying to look to Him for um, forgiveness and other things as well. But there have also been times in my life where, as I'm sure you can relate, that I haven't felt very close to God, where God felt distant and far off and just not very near. Um, Sometimes it felt like He's someone who's way up there, and I'm way down here. And every once in a while, he might pop in for a visit and do something or send a message down, and I'll hear from him, and, and then it, and that's you know great. But most of the time, he's way up there, and I'm way down here. He's distant most of the time, it could feel like. Then there's other times in my life when I've wondered, why aren't you helping me change God? Um, we can look to God for all kinds of changes, for changes in our circumstances, changes in our character, God to give us abilities. God to, I remember praying fervently in my... Communication 101 class in college, God, please take away these butterflies in my stomach. I'm so nervous to give this speech in my communication 101 class. And I remember praying. He didn't take it away. Um, and so then, you know, when times like that, I mean, that, there's more serious things I've asked God for than that. Um, but when we ask for help, we ask for circumstances to change or guidance or abilities to do something. And it can seem like, man, why isn't, why isn't this happening? Why aren't I getting this? And in those times, God feels like someone who did stuff way back then in Bible times, but he's not doing stuff now. I think if you boil down what many of us desire more of in our Christian life and our relationship with God and our spiritual experience, um, you could say that the two things it boil down to is more closeness and more change. Uh, we don't want a God who feels like he's way up there and distant, who doesn't feel close. We want, him to, we want to feel close to him. We don't want him to feel far off and unavailable. And when, when we read the Bible, um, I don't know about you, I see stories of these people that are having these crazy, up-close uh, experiences with God, and it's like, man, that'd be awesome if I experienced that. Even what we just read about um, in Luke 24 and Acts 2. Acts 2, mighty rushing wind comes in, they see the tongues of fire over people's heads and they're speaking languages they'd never studied before, and all these people are hearing them and responding. We think, why isn't my life day like that? Why doesn't God feel that close and... And I'm experiencing like that, like they did. And then if you think about what we pray for, that's wanting God to be close. We're always praying for change. Almost all of our prayers include some sort of prayer for change. We want God to change us, to change other people, to change what's happening in our lives, to change uh, how we're feeling, to change how we're acting, and so on. And we want God to powerfully work on our behalf to bring change. When we read about people in the Bible, we see crazy changes and crazy transformations in their lives. We see people turn, turning from murderers and worshiping false gods to turning to God, and their lives being totally flipped on their head, and God shows up in incredible ways. And we want that too. We want that transformation. So we want more closeness. We want more change from God. And this week, as I said, we're starting a series on the Holy Spirit that we're going to do throughout the summer, and calling it With Us. Enjoying God's presence through the Spirit of God. What I'd love for you to remember, the truth, last series, what I wanted you to remember was, God is for us, God is for me. What I want you to remember from this series, God is with me, God is with us. We just finished that For Us series on forgiveness, where we're learning that we can enjoy God's forgiveness for our sins through Jesus. But forgiveness is only one part of the gospel. It's like if that's the only part of the gospel, the good news that we have kind of like half calf or like decaf gospel. It's like we only have 50% of it. Gospel means good news. And it's like, I don't know, you're like watching the news and then the the story got cut off, like your power went out or something. So you only on half the news. And so if we only had forgiveness of sins, if that's the only thing we're focused on, we're missing half of the the good news that Jesus um, has purchased for us. And when it comes to Christian message, we're only getting half of Christianity if we only remember forgiveness. And when you look at the early disciples, um, Jesus said, I have a big mission for you guys. I want to take you to take this message to the ends of the earth. I want you to take this to the world. But he says to them, but you need to wait. You need to wait in Jerusalem. All right, well, actually, they're kind of in Galilee, and they came back to Jerusalem. But I want you to wait here until you get clothed with power on high. That's what Katie's passage said in Luke 24. And you remember we covered that uh, during, um, during Easter. No, we didn't last Easter, we covered that. But um, Luke 24, he says, you need to wait for power on high before you have this mission. He, that was about, if you remember, Jesus died during Passover, uh, time of Passover. And then he appeared to his, he was Thursday he dies, Sunday he's, or Friday he dies, Sunday he's resurrected. And then for 40 days after that, he's appearing to his disciples in his resurrected form, um, talking to them, instructing them, um, helping them understand what happened. So 40 days he does that. And then on the, after 40 days, he's like, I'm returning to the Father. And he ascends to the, back to the Father's uh, right hand um, in God's presence. And he says, you need to stay um, until I send you power from on high. And so they wait 10 more days. So 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, um, they're waiting. Uh, is when they receive the Holy Spirit, which he wrote about in Acts 2. And today marks Pentecost. I don't know if I said that. Today marks Pentecost. This is Pentecost Sunday, 50 days um, after we after Jesus' died and was resurrected. Um, And so today, that's why we're starting the Holy Spirit series today. And God, uh, if we, Jesus is saying to his disciples, here's the message I want to send you with. If you look at the little breakdown of like, what is it I want you to tell people? um, It's not just like, go and tell people forgiveness of sins. Go tell them they're forgiven of their sins. But when you look at all the early disciples in the book of Acts, when they're preaching the good news, there's always two parts to it, or, or a mix of various parts. It's, you can be forgiven of your sins, and you can receive the Holy Spirit. So it's God is for you because He's forgiven your sins, and God is with you if you trust in Jesus that you're forgiven of your sins and you receive the Holy Spirit. So those are the two parts of the gospel. And last fall, a mentor in my life had me do this assessment on how I was leading our church and how things were going and what things I was emphasizing, if there's anything I was missing. And in doing that assessment, I discovered that I haven't been leading our church very strongly and relying on the spirit Um, not completely absent um, but the strength there wasn't as as I did this assessment I was like oh wow Um, that's not a big focus not a lot of training and I've if you go back and look over my sermons you think oh no you talked about here and there and you talked about this place too Um, but it wasn't a very felt like it wasn't a very strong thing and if you look at our community practices um, what are they believing the gospel living as family loving as servants going as messengers. And the last one is relying on the Spirit. So it's a big deal if if I feel like I'm not very strong in that area. Um, So in doing that assessment, I I realize that I tend to emphasize God is for us more strongly than I emphasize God is with us. So this series is my action step to fix that, uh, both in my leadership and to fix that in us for a congregation so we can learn, like um, the the title of the series, God uh, with us, enjoying God's presence through the Spirit. Like, how do we enjoy God's presence? How does God not be distant? How does He be close? How does God not be just ineffective and unpowerful, but actually uh, working in our lives to change us? And as I said, today is Pentecost Sunday, so that's why we're starting now. What we're going to do is a big, today we're going to do a big overview of God's desire and plan to be with us. How we see that throughout the whole Bible, so we're not going to really get to dig into um, one passage in particular, but we're going to get a big overview. And the reason for that is so we can see here's God's plan, his desire to be with us, and here's the Spirit's role in that plan. God's always wanted to be with us, and here's how the Spirit accomplishes that. So the big idea for today is this, if you like to write things down, God desires to make us his family inside And out. God desires to make us his family inside and out. Or you can make it more personal or more specific. God desires to make us his sons and daughters inside and out. Or you could write down, God desires to make me his son. Or God desires to make me his daughter inside and out. Before we go into this uh, into this overview, uh, I want to do something deep, but something that not something that we haven't talked about before, uh, and it's important. Otherwise, we wouldn't talk about it. So I want to explain God, how we have a God who is not one person, um, but three persons. So you've heard me. We've talked a lot about Father, Son. Spirit, and going into this because this helps us to understand what the Spirit's role is now. Why did Jesus leave, and now why do we have the Spirit? Why, you know, why did Jesus just stick around? Why do we have the Spirit now? What's He doing? And so we have um, one God, um, who's a loving unity. So unified of three equally divine persons. So the Father is fully God. The Son, Jesus, is fully God. Spirit is fully God, um, and they're a loving and all they do, they're one God and three persons. And I don't know. I always like to do this with my fingers because it's like, okay, it's like one God, you know, but three persons. Probably doesn't even mean anything that I do that, but hey, it helps me to think through it. The Trinity. The Trinity, exactly. So it's a tri-unity, that's where that term comes from. It's tri, three, unified. Unified is one God. And they aren't. Father, Son, and Spirit aren't different ways that God expresses yourself Himself. And i like you know, when I'm during the day, I express myself as a pastor, and at night, I express myself as a husband and a, a, a father. It's like God doesn't, you know, at one time in history, you know, one part in history expresses himself as a father, then he expresses himself as Jesus, now he expresses himself as the Spirit. That's one God, different expression, but we have one God, three persons who are united in what they do. Um, and every act of God um, involves all three persons. So one an explanation that's existed since the early centuries of the church is this. And so, if you like taking notes and like to learn this this kind of stuff, um, here's how it's been taught throughout the church. Um, what the Father plans, the Son accomplishes, and the Spirit applies. What the Father plans, the Son accomplishes, and the Spirit applies. I want to change the language a bit. Um, the Father makes the plan. Jesus makes it possible. The Spirit makes it happen. The Father makes the plan. Jesus makes it possible. The Spirit makes it happen. The Father makes the plan. Jesus makes it possible. The Spirit makes it happen. And the, uh, imagine, I'm not saying that this is exactly how it works um, with God, that he's running an orphanage, but imagine you had these three people that are all like partners um, like business partners or something and they said, hey one one guy's like, hey I want to start an orphanage and he has this whole plan of how he wants to do it, of how how it would work and how it operate and what needs to happen to, um, to get it get it going. Um, so he has the plan and then he has another person who's kind of like the fundraiser and the architect guy and so that guy makes it one person plans it and then he has the other partner makes it possible so he's like goes out and gets all this funding like hey orphanages need funding and so he does all the fundraising he funds it um, and he also builds the building that the other guy planned out but now okay you got a guy who had a plan somebody made it possible he made the orphanage possible funded it and built it but there's no kids in it and so then you have another guy who's going out like recruiting uh, or looking for people that are orphans then or, wherever he, he would find them and bringing them into the orphanage and not only just bringing them in but he's running the day-to-day operations of okay we don't just bring people in here and they're just running around doing their thing it's like okay we're gonna there's mealtime and there's you know learning time and whatever whatever else there be play time and so he's bringing orphans in and then also teaching them and if you break kind of look at how uh, That's one way to think of it, of how you could have three people who are doing different roles but executing the same thing. What the Father plans, Jesus makes possible. The Spirit makes it happen. So let's go back to the creation of the world. We'll begin our little overview of Genesis 1. There'll be three passages I'll have you turn to. Genesis 1 is one of them. It's on page one of your Bibles, no matter what Bible you have, unless it's oddly page numbered, I guess. Uh, And we see we'll see several passages where the Spirit, Father, Son, and Spirit all show up, even if sometimes they're given those names. So Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3 say this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And so we see creation. Um, You see the spirit there. He's hovering over the face of the waters. And if you look at um, throughout the whole Bible, and especially in John 1, we hear God created by his word. Um, God created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't say he's working it with his hands. But verse 3 said, God said, let there be light. and each day, God said, God said, God said. So God creates by his word. Um, And then his word, uh, what brings life to what is created through the word, um, the Spirit is the one who does that. And we read in John 1: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and then He became flesh. And so Jesus um, is the Word of God. He created through, um, through Jesus, but then the Spirit is also there doing His works. And God always acts through His Word. And God's Word, what He says, is always made effective by the Spirit. And then we fast forward to Genesis 2. Um, we get this little picture of uh, Adam and Eve. God creates the first humans. We won't go to a specific passage. Um, but we fast forward to Genesis 2, and God makes the first human beings. And we saw when we were going through Genesis, uh, he wants to have a home with them. He wants to be the creator who guides them and cares for them and loves them and protects them um, and provides for them. And there's this cool scene where it's uh, God is walking with them. Um, he comes to find them in the cool of the day, and God is present with them. God is close to them. In God's presence, or in God's family, you're in God's presence. Um, and in his presence there is life, because he's directing us, and he's showing us the way to go. And if we leave that guidance, and we leave his presence, um, then we have problems. We don't know what we're doing, and there's death uh, outside of that. And that's what we see in Genesis 3, because Adam and Eve, um, they disobey, they rebel. Um, and then God says, that you've chosen different path than what I've called you to. You ch- you've chosen to reject me and now you have to leave my presence. And outside of it um, they find uh, nothing um, but struggle and death. And God says, but I'm going to make a way back. And then we learned as we were going through Genesis last year, uh, we saw that uh, God chose to bless one man in this family, Abraham, and his family. And he walked with Abraham. We saw passages where God was present with them, protecting them, providing him for them and guiding them uh, and instructing them. And God is forming a family again. Adam and Eve, it's like, okay, I've created you. Remembering our big idea that God desires to make us family inside and out. Adam and Eve created them, wanted to have a home with them, wanted to be present with them. And then they left. And so God's, okay, I'm going to choose this family. And I'm going to bring them back into my presence. I'm going to make them my family inside and out. And then you fast forward centuries later. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Exodus is the second book. In that book, we find Abraham's family has grown into a nation. It's not just Abraham and a couple other people anymore, but they're an entire nation, but they're enslaved by another nation, the nation of Egypt. And then God calls this man named Moses to lead his people out. And he does so because he wants to be present with them. And he leads them out. There's this pillar of fire and pillar of cloud that he leads them out. And so he leads them out with his presence. And that's important to remember when we come back to Acts 2, because if you remember what falls on them, tongues of fire. Tongues of fire fire is often a representation of God's presence. And so he leads them out, pillar of cloud and fire, and eventually brings them to a mountain, Mount Sinai, where he gives them instructions. It's like, you know, if anybody enters your house, um, you're going to be like, okay, here's what home life looks like. Here's the rules. You know, sometimes you see those like little signs, might be something like this, a sign that's like, in this house, we wash our hands and we don't. Spit under the table. I can't. I'm not. Can't think of anything or now. We I mean, would say thank you. You know, so you know, stuff that like, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you had a family word. that was an issue. So, but you know, it's kind of like the 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 instructions God gives aren't like these are to take all your fun away. It's like no. Here's how things work in this family. This is how you have life. This is how you can be guided and protected by me from bad things and and to do good things. And one of the big things that God does uh, with them with the this is the nation of Israel, the nation that he freed from slavery in Egypt, mean, um, he sets up this thing called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, it's kind of a weird word. I don't know if anywhere that's used besides in like religious things for the Bible, but tabernacle is basically a tent. Um, there's three things that the tab happen around the tabernacle. Um, there's sacrifice. So these are three things that are emphasized um, throughout God's instructions. Starting in the tabernacle, so presence, renewal. From Exodus onward, these three things are emphasized in the family that God is creating. So the tabernacle was this, little, this tent thing um, where God's presence was going to dwell. But there's a problem, because remember, Adam and Eve had to leave God's presence. They disobeyed, they sinned, you know, as we saw in our forgiveness um, passages they are unclean now. They can't be in the presence of a holy God, and they're unrighteous, they're guilty, and they can't be in his presence. So sacrifice makes a way for God's presence to be with his people. Um, sacrifice, the, the animal, takes upon itself the sins of the, the sinner and dies in their place so that the sinner can be, can be cleansed. And So the sacrifices allow for God's presence to dwell with them Um, through the tabernacle, this tent that had his presence in it, and Moses would go out to it and he'd talk uh, to God face to face there. Uh, But the other thing um, that is emphasized over and over again is renewal, like a a renewal of uh, people's hearts and how responsive they are to God, a renewal of people's life and a reformation of how their lives operate and how they act. Um, And that's what all God's instructions are about, the Ten Commandments. Um, and all the laws that follow that aren't just like you know here's all the policies and procedures because you guys are really bad. It's like no, this is I want to renew your way of life. I want you to have this this change. And God, even then, I said last time that um, last week that so often we can look at the Old Testament as like that's when God was grumpy and all about laws. Now he's all about love and he's happy. And it's like even in those laws, God Moses who gave them to them and God aren't saying like you guys have to keep all these and that's the only way you can be right with me. No, that's the sacrifices provided forgiveness and then even Moses with people of Israel said, you guys need to circumcise your hearts which that's kind of a weird term for us, but it basically meant your hearts are hard. You need to make them soft and responsive to God. You need to take away that stony exterior where you're listening to God but it's just bouncing off. You need to make your heart soft to God. And so there's a renewal through the instruction and also this desire for a heart renewal as well. And then you fast forward and you the tabernacle, the tent, turns into a temple. Um, they eventually build this uh, permanent building. And when they consecrate it, dedicate it to God, it gives, God fills it with His glory and the priests can't even be in it. They're going to have to leave it because they're just kind of like, it's too intense for them. But the problem with all of this. They needed to do the sacrifices, which were a a way to express, like, I need forgiveness, and I know there's a penalty to it, and this is paying the way. And having your sins paid for allows you to be in God's presence, and God's presence allows you to be able to experience renewal. But the people started doing the sacrifices, but they didn't have a heart in it. They're just going through the motions. They're just doing them, like, you know, religious rituals they're not really thinking about. And they're going and doing whatever they want. They're not seeking for renewal. They're not following God's instructions. And so these guys named prophets, spokespeople for God, started telling them, like, uh, unless you change your ways, you're going to lose God's presence. Like, this isn't something that you can just take for granted. You don't have a right to this. This is a privilege. And God said, to be in my presence, you have to be seeking forgiveness. You have to be wanting your life to be renewed and reformed. And so... When they, they, he, they told him, you're going to lose God's presence. When they didn't change, God's presence did leave the temple. But the prophets kept looking towards a the day. They kept saying, there's going to be a day when God is going to come back. He's going to forgive us of our sins. His presence is going to be here again. And he's going to renew us all from the inside out. He's going to take our hearts of stone that are unresponsive to him. And he's going to make them new. And then when Jesus showed up, uh, the prophets stopped speaking About 450 B.C. was the last prophet. So 450 years, they wait, and Jesus shows up around 30 A.D. And um, and he starts speaking about all three of these. He starts saying, I'm going to give my life for the ransom of many. I'm going to be the sacrifice that pays for your sins. John 1, we saw, uh, calls Jesus, he's the living word of God, sent to do God's will, sent to uh, to die in our place. And before Jesus began his public ministry... Um, Right at the start of it, when he was about 30 years old, uh, he was baptized in the Jordan River by a guy named John the Baptist, and there um, you see um, all Father, Son, and Spirit, because uh, if you remember that scene, you can find it, I believe Matthew 3 or 4, Jesus, when he gets dunked under the water, so Jesus the Son, dunked under the water, when he comes out, um, the Spirit comes down from heaven in a form like a dove, not as a dove, but in the form like a dove, kind of fluttering down, lands on him. So Jesus gets baptized, the Spirit comes down and lands on him. And then you hear a voice from heaven that says, this is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And so the Father speaks from heaven after the Spirit comes and lands on the Son. So it's passages like that where you're like, wait, how many persons are God? You know, how many people are in there? And you see all three at work. But at, even at Jesus' birth, You see, Mary. What happened in Genesis one? The Spirit was hovering over the waters. Then you read in Luke, what's the Spirit doing? The Spirit came and hovered over Mary, bringing Jesus um, uh, to new creation um, from her. And in all this, we saw Jesus um, saying he's going to be the sacrifice. And he also had the Spirit come down on his baptism, and we see all these passages where it says, and Jesus full of the Spirit, and Jesus led by the Spirit, and Jesus um, with the power of the Spirit, he has the presence of God. Um, He didn't seem to be beset by the same corrupted nature, the same problems that we all have. He had like this inner renewal that had already happened in him, that he never had this heart that was unresponsive to God. He was always soft towards God, always being led by God. And so Jesus comes and he's he has. He's talking about being the sacrifice. He's got God's presence with him, and he's talking about God is coming back to His people. Like the good news of the kingdom is God's coming back. Remember what the prophets talked about? God's coming back, and He's bringing forgiveness. And Jesus also talked about renewal, not just in our actions, but at the deepest level. And then Jesus, when He died and then was resurrected, we saw uh, what Katie read. He sent, promised to send the Holy Spirit to be with his disciples, to change them, to guide them. And he said he would return one day to bring his kingdom in full. Uh, but until then, we would have his presence through the Spirit, and we should live for his kingdom now. And so, the big idea God desires to make us his family inside and out uh, requires all three members of the Trinity um, all three persons of God to to make happen so if you think about it uh, other passages as we'll see as we go through this series um, God talks about I want to make you uh, my family my people and he talks about adoption so his father's plan uh, is to adopt us into his family to make us his sons and daughters but uh, in order for that to happen um, something needs to to, to reconcile us with God because we're the ones that rejected him. We're the ones that rebelled against him. So there's a separation there. That separation has to be closed. So who's going to make this possible? So the Father makes the plan to adopt. Um, and how's it going to happen? Well, Jesus is going to die to forgive us for our sins, to reconcile us to the Father so we can come back into his family. And so if you think about, you know, let's not think about an orphanage. Let's think about a king who wants to... Uh, create a royal family of people that aren't royalty, of actually people who have rebelled against him and who have no right to live in his kingdom anymore. How is he going to bring those people so far away from him um, that have so rejected him? How is he going to bring them into his family to give him his, give them his name, um, to teach him his ways, for them to come and live in the royal palace? Bringing us back to the palace, the royal palace, the garden uh, of his presence where we were meant to be all along. Well, the father makes the plan, like, we're going to bring them in. And then the son, he's like, you're going to be the king of this kingdom. You're going to make it possible. You're going to die. You're going to be the one who's overseeing this operation. But then the spirit is the one. Okay, so now you've got this royal palace. Everything's been paid for. You know, there's a big party to celebrate, but no one's at it. And the spirit is the one that gets sent out to bring people in. He's called the spirit of adoption. He's the one that comes out and says, hey, uh, God wants to forgive you. God wants to bring you back into the royal palace. God wants you to, to come in. Do you want that? Do you want to be forgiven? You are in trouble. You need, you're need. you condemned. Know, and he brings the conviction of sin. And then he's the one who brings people back into the royal palace. And then once we're in there, it's like, okay, uh, you know, imagine a bunch of people who have no idea how to act like royalty. You know, I don't know, you see all the stories of all like Meghan Markle marrying into the royal family and you're like, wow, look at all how people get all worked out about the procedures that she had to learn. And it's like, okay, now that we're in this royal family, well, how do we behave as a royal family? The Spirit makes us God's sons and daughters, both inside, giving us a heart that loves God as our Father, that receives the forgiveness He's provided. Um, and He works this inner renewal inside of us so that we behave as children of God. He's like teaching us this is the manners around the dinner table. This is how we act when we go out in public. You know, (laughs) All these things that we need to learn once we become royal family. And then when you fast forward all the way to the end of human history in the book of Revelation chapter 21 and 22 we see that God, Jesus returns to fully implement his kingdom. Um, It's here in part But not here in full. It's already started, but it's not yet completed. And we're told in those verses. Actually, I did. Everyone's flipping anyway, so I plan to take us here anyway. So, Revelation chapter 21. So, this is about the last page of your Bible. If you're wanting to find it, it should be like the second or third from the last page. Revelation chapter 21. Remember, God wants to dwell with us. That's why he made the, temple, the tabernacle. That's why he made the temple. Chapter 21 of Revelation says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. In verse 5, it says a great line. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And so you see there the emphasis. Um, presence. Presence. Renewal. God's making all things new, and throughout the whole book of Revelation, they praise Jesus, calling him the Lamb of God, the, the the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God. He's the King who sacrificed Himself so that we could enter into God's presence. Like this, so coming back to Pentecost that we read in Acts two. Now this is the end of history. Revelation 21 of what Jesus and what God's going to do. Seeing Him face to face, dwelling with Him. There's no more temple anymore because God is face-to-face everywhere, we're able to approach him. Then at Pentecost, Jesus returns to the Father. His disciples wait 10 days in Jerusalem. He He said, wait here. You have a mission, but you need the Holy Spirit. They wait 10 days after Jesus leaves. And then the Holy Spirit comes, as we saw, tongues of fire, and they start speaking in different languages. And all those nations we read about in Acts 2, they're all Jewish people. They're in town for Pentecost. Jewish festival. So they've all come in town They speak different languages because they're from different regions. And so uh, these disciples get the Holy Spirit and they start talking about what God has done, the mighty works of God. And they all hear it in their own language. And then you saw some people were confused. They're like, it sounds like some guys are drunk up there. They're kind of talking nonsense. And then Peter, it says Peter gets up, I don't know how he dressed all these people, but it says then Peter starts telling them no, this is what's happened. And he quotes Prophet Joel and he says, God promised that this would happen, that the Spirit would come. He'd send his presence, and there would be renewal. And then he says, and Jesus is the one who told us about this. And you, uh, we just, all you you put him to death. Remember, he gets put to death in Jerusalem. And he's like, he's the one who came to be the sacrifice, to be the king. And we rejected him. And then the people, it says, they're cut to the heart. And they say, what must we do? And then Peter, let's flip to Acts chapter 2 and get his exact words. 2, verse 38, chapter 2, verse 38, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said to them, they said, Brothers, what shall we do? They heard the gospel. And Peter said to them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So remember, forgiveness, one half of the gospel, God is for us. Second half of the gospel, God is with us. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then a whole bunch of people are baptized. Uh, about 3,000 people come to know Jesus. And then uh, there's a famous passage at the end of Acts 2 that describes what their community was like. And so we're the people from Pentecost till now who are living between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming when we wait for him to make all things new. And in between there, a common um, analogy a lot of people like to use that makes a lot of sense is uh, we're like a movie trailer for what God's going to do for the whole world. And I love movie trailers. It's kind of like a weird addiction. I had to stop uh, for it, doing it for a while. Addiction's probably just trying a word. Um, but you know weird fascination obsession, obsession there we go um, but movie trailers I just love them because it shows all these highlights of what this movie's going to be about and it's like oh I want to see that movie now Aladdin Josue and Laurel just saw I haven't asked him yet don't tell me now don't about whether it's good or not the new Aladdin <laughs> but I see the trailer I'm like yes you know like, like relive my childhood had all the songs memorized all of Jeannie's voices Uh, and his songs, and it's like, okay, yes, new movie, it's coming out, but yet, the movie trailer is like a two-minute chunk of the movie. It's not the whole movie, it shows you the highlights, but the best is yet to come, because the whole thing is yet to come, and so now, the Spirit in us, renewing us from the inside out, making us God's family from the inside out, now we are this little movie trailer, um, some of the highlights of what is going to come, of the whole movie that's going to come in the future when God makes everything new, where His presence is uh, He's present everywhere now, but not in a direct way. We're going to see His presence is going to fill the earth and everything's going to be renewed and made new and it's all made possible because of what Jesus has done to allow us in there, into His presence. So as we come into a close, well don't expect to be done in 60 seconds, but I want us to do a little heart um, analysis because when I think about Title of the series. The whole goal of this series is uh, enjoying God's presence through the Spirit, and uh, we in our community practices it's relying on God's uh, on the Spirit, um, but enjoying. Like, how do we enjoy a daily experience and intimacy uh, with God's presence through the Spirit? And I think for maybe many of us, uh, we're disappointed. Um, And so how do we move from disappointment to enjoyment? And disappointment, maybe I'm speaking just for me, um, so don't be offended, but I'm sure some of you also would feel this way as well. Disappointment comes from unmet expectations. Uh, And if you're in a relationship with someone, and you're expecting them to do something, uh, but they're never doing the thing you expect them to do, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, Unmet expectations, you have unmet expectations with them. In our relationship with the Spirit, um, if we don't want to be disappointed with what he's doing, we need to know what exactly it is he is doing with his purpose. And so it's like we have, might have disappointment with the Spirit because we have expectations of him that he actually wasn't given to us to fulfill. And so we're constantly saying, like, this is what I want you to do. and he constantly isn't doing it, and so we're constantly disappointed. We need to shift and look, what is his purpose in our life? What does he want to do in our life? And so we start working um, with that. So uh, three, I want to think about three different words. as we go through these, kind of assess yourself of like which one am I? And so we might be disappointed because of three different reasons. Um, awareness, availability. We lack one of these. That's why we're disappointed um, and attentiveness. I was write attentive. I guess these could be all adjectives. Do these describe your life? Aware, available, attentive. Um, so we might be experiencing disappointment because we lack um, one of these three things. And so, it's awareness. Um, is we aren't aware of the work that the Spirit has already done um, and is doing in our life. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've already experienced a miracle uh, because... Bible says that somebody only cries out Jesus is Lord, makes them the Lord of their life by the power of the Spirit. So you've experienced a new birth, you've been renewed, um, so that's already a miracle. And so awareness, uh, we're disappointed with the Spirit because we don't have awareness of what he has done, what he is doing. And I think about the movie, um, maybe only girls have watched this, but I really like the movie. I can think Pride and Prejudice, who's seen Pride and Prejudice? Nick, where? Oh, what? Wow, well, there's like three of them. Well, man, I don't want to ruin the plot, but yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, if you haven't seen it yet, you probably won't ever see it. So, *Prime Prejudice*. Uh, there's, <laughs> I'm gonna watch it tonight when I. Oh I'm boy, really. you should. It's a great one. The new one, I don't know. The old one, probably. Anyway, in the movie, um, there's two characters: girl character, guy character, um, and the girl character really doesn't like the guy character for most of the movie. Um, And part of it is all of a sudden she has this moment where she's like, uh, real, like in love with him. And her dad is like, I thought you hated him. Like, what's the deal? Like, what changed? And then she's like, You have no idea what he's done, like, for our family. He has no idea what, you no idea what he's done for our sister. You have no idea what he's done for me. Like, she wasn't aware he was doing all this stuff in the background. She wasn't aware of, and she was just like, man, he's just this horrible person. Suddenly she becomes aware. All the things he has done, is doing. And she just, it wins her heart to him. Um, and so for us, we might be like, Spirit, I'm pretty disappointed. Like God said, you're going to get the Spirit, power from on high, presence with me. And we're disappointed because we lack awareness of what he's doing. And if we lack awareness, we're not thankful because we don't think God has done anything or is doing anything. Or we'll rely on ourselves or we'll rely on some other power source because it's like, well, the Spirit hasn't done anything up to this point. So I, it's all up to me, so I have to do it. So that's uh, awareness. So availability is making ourselves available to the Spirit. And if you think about, uh, if you're going to work, or and you're like, I got hired to do this job, and I'm going to work, uh, but every day you go to work and... even if you had the best boss in the world, just so kind, so gentle, like just wants the best for you, wants you to be the best employer you can be for what you've signed up for, um, and he like never gets frustrated, uh, but you go to work, uh, and even if he's 100% available to you, like you go to work to avoid him because you have a different purpose. You don't want to make yourself available to do the work that he wants you to do. So therefore, what are you going to do when he comes around like, you know, hey, Bill, uh, how's that project going? You're going to be annoyed or you're going to try to avoid him. Like, oh, here he comes. You're going to duck behind. You know, whatever it is, it's like you're going to avoid him or be annoyed with him, even if he's the best boss in the world because you're showing up to work um, and you have a different purpose. You don't want to be available for his purposes, even if he's available um, to you. Um, and we so often don't make ourselves available to uh, the Spirit's purposes of what he wants to ma- do in our lives. Actually, what we ask him to do, please put your power behind my purposes, right? It's like, here's what I want done. Please do this for me. Please do this for me. Please do this for me. Instead of saying, Spirit, I'm available to do what you want me to do today. And we'll go into some of these. Can't go into all of them, but maybe some of these will strike an image or a a nerve of how you treat the Spirit. Um, Do you treat him like a genie giving you uh, wishes? Do you treat him like, I just want you to be my GPS telling me exactly what to do all throughout my day? Um, you treat them like a magic eight ball. You know, you're like talking to God. Sh- sh- definitely not. Dang it. <laughs> you know, shake it again. Magic eight balls. Maybe you don't like those. Um, or like phone a friend. You know, and and who wants to be a millionaire? And it's like, oh, I'm in trouble. I can't figure out myself. Oh, I'm gonna phone a friend. Now I'm gonna talk to God and ask Him to do something for me. Or like tech support. Like I've done everything I can. And I'm calling you to fix my problems. Like these all are asking God to get behind our purposes and empower our purposes rather than. Would you? I'm available for your purposes, and would you empower me to do those? And lastly, we're not attentive. You could be aware God's done a lot in my life, and He's still doing, and I know He's doing a lot. Um, and I'm making myself available, um, but you're not really like checking in with them. You're not paying attention to what is He wanting me to do. What is He saying? saying I'm available, but we're not checking in um, to ask Him what we should do. The reasons for this like we're moving too fast. We just have all these distractions. Or everything else in our life is just too loud. And for me, when I look at these three things, um, if I speak from my experience, maybe that'll help you relate. It's a mixture. Um, I'm a thinker and I'm a doer. And so I like to use my brain rather than the spirit um, to get things done. And it's like I love Bible study. I, like, I love reading. And so it's like I just want to think my way out of problems, and so it's like going to the Bible and just like, oh, I just want to learn more and fill my head, Um, and those are good things, but I'm not responding to God as I do so, um, and I'm very aware, in reading the Bible, it's like, okay, now I'm super aware of what you did way back then, but I'm not aware of what you're doing now, like, oh, I can tell you all the stories in Acts. I can tell you all the stories in Exodus, but I can't tell you stories today because I'm not making myself aware or available or attentive, and I'm also a doer. I don't like slowing down to pray. <laughs> I don't like slowing down. It takes time to rely on God for his power and guidance. And I thought, I have this template for every single week. I print it off, and it has my daily outcomes. It has my schedule. Um, and it's like, okay, like of course, God says it's important to, to plan and be prudent and to um, be strategic. Um, but it's like, I can make that my power. I've thought through it all, and I just do this stuff and never check in with God Say like, well, I want to make myself available. I want to be aware and attentive to what you're doing today. Um, Taking time to pray feels like I'm not getting anything done. I want to punch into work, check my emails rather than check in with God. And it's like, you know, so often we just start our day, like, okay, up and running, and we don't check in with God at any point without it. When I'm struggling through something, Katie will often gently ask me, "Did you pray about this yet?" Uh, Many times that. She does it in a very helpful way. Many times it brings a huge realization that I haven't brought this issue to God. Over time, she's helped me have this pray-first reflex, go-to-God-first reflex, but I still tend to think through things and think about what I need to do rather than going to God first. So take a moment for yourself, if you want to write in your bulletin or just in your head. Which one are you struggling with that's maybe giving you disappointment with the Spirit instead of enjoyment? Do you lack awareness of what he has done, what he is doing? Do you lack availability? You're not making yourself available for his purposes, but you want him to be available for your purposes. Or are you not paying any attention to him at all, like trying to listen to him, trying to do what he's asking you to do? Which one is perhaps creating disappointment in your life? said we two of the primary images which spirit the scripture are light and wind. And so inspiration for the decorations that Heather acquired for us is um, we have this window and you know I in my mind it's like when if you're like in a hot car or if your house has been closed up too long, like it's stuffy and kinda like I don't know, you just feel like eh, this house isn't very fresh. And it's like, you know, where where is our life lives stuffy? Our lives kind of like unfresh, I don't know, the opposite of that would be stale. Ooh, there we go. Stale or stuffy. Yeah, look at that two S's. Stale is your life stale and stuffy. You know, is your family stale and stuffy? Is your marriage stale and stuffy? And is your time at work stale and stuffy, or with neighbors or with kids, or whatever it is? This is like this just feels like I feel like yucky and it's like oppressive because selfishness is suffocating, and the Spirit is the one who wants us to not lead selfish life. And so it's like we want to, for our church and for our families and for um, uh, our community, our own lives, want to open up the window, let the Spirit blow in, let the light come in um, so that we can be refreshed, you know, have God's presence, be renewed, uh, be aware, available. Father, thanks that it's not by our power or might that we enter your presence, but by the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for forgiving us that we may receive Holy Spirit. And would you renew us day by day as we walk with you? you? Let us be aware of what you're doing, what you have done. Would you make us available to your purposes? Would you make us attentive to your lead?